evening, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the 8 o'clock spot live here on the Grid Network's YouTube channel and Twitter account. As always, I'm your host slash judge slash moderator, Bryson Carver. Very, very excited for today's show, episode 23, and we've got a ton to talk about regarding uh, particularly the NFL divisional round playoffs. Uh, I know there's been a lot going on in the NBA in the last 24 hours, but it pales in comparison to what was a fantastic divisional weekend. Starting with our first guest, the guy who's come all so close his last few appearances on the 8 o'clock spot to, to, to getting the W. Maybe he breaks up the top tonight. Tim Barnard, who just debuted the Boston Sports Summit podcast on the Grid Network. Uh, my man, Tim, how you doing? You know, I'm doing great. Yeah, debuted my you know first episode last week. Got my next one tomorrow, 7 p.m. We've got a lot to talk about. Bruins are on a hot streak. Celtics are winning. They had a bad loss against Denver on Friday. But again, right now, outside of the Patriots and Red Sox, everything's turning up Boston. It's, ten, it's usually how it's gone historically, uh, you know, especially in the 21st century for the city of Boston. Finally, or I shouldn't say finally, next to our points leader. And you, listen, you have all the right to gloat right now, Mike Guida, because you are numero uno in the Grid Network uh, uh, leaderboard. We'll show it once we get through our, our, our guests. But uh, Mike, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm going to come into tonight, Bryson, nice and relaxed. It's no disrespect to Tim and it's no disrespect to AJ. I love you guys both, but you guys are nowhere near my point total. So right now my lead is currently safe. So I'm going to go into this nice and relaxed. I'm going to throw out some stuff that maybe I don't really mean or anything like that. I'm kidding. But just some stuff to to ruffle some feathers maybe just because my lead is so far protected right now. It feels like when it's it's like in November and you've got a six-game lead. I'm sorry, three-game lead. The division was six to go. Like, you got to be careful somebody doesn't catch up on you. But you yep. want to obviously build your lead. And finally, the one of the three co-hosts of the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast and a multi-time competitor on the 8 o'clock spot. I believe the only Cam Fan member to not win the 8 o'clock spot. Maybe that changes tonight. Alex Johnson, AJ of the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast. AJ, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. Uh, looking to, yeah, get that victory. But, geez, Mike comes out of the gate. He's... Throwing elbows already? I mean, jeez. <laughs> hey, I said I loved you, AJ. I'm not trying to throw okay, elbows okay. here. <laughs> That's great. It'll be a it'll be a fun show tonight. And a guy who competed last week, EJ Savage, one of the newest members of the grid. Now we're boys in the zone. Uh, he says I have to root for my guy AJ. Sorry, Tim and Mike. So obviously he's gonna pull uh, for for the Cowboy fan, not the Patriots fan, and not the evidently as we've come to know lately the Bills fan. But we'll get into that more of that later <laughs> in the show. Uh, we'll get into more of that, Mike. I mean you are a New York guy, so I mean I'm just saying uh, we'll get in that more of that later in the show. But let's look at our leaderboard. There you are at the top. Obviously, if we can pull it out, there it is. Mike Guido's on top uh, with a pretty comfortable lead, 15 points of the second place. Barry Grant Jr. Followed by. Alfred Parsar Jr., Devin Nettles, Dalton Brown, who won last week, John Rivera, Dylan Lima, Adam Bessie, Ryan Flowers, Anth Bessie, Tim Barnard. There you are, AJ, Eric Van Linden, and EJ Savage, uh, who joined the leaderboard last week. So a ton to get into uh, in the world of sports. We're going to start, however, uh, with what was a fantastic divisional weekend, and it started really primarily with the Kansas City Chiefs, or I should say started, really ended uh, in dramatic fashion with the Kansas City Chiefs knocking off the Buffalo Bills 27-24 to in what was Allen versus Mahomes Part 3. Uh, the comparisons to the Brady-Manning uh, gets on my nerves and, and, frankly, is insulting to Brady and Manning. We can get to that later. Uh, but both quarterbacks play well. Mahomes accounted for two touchdowns. Allen with three. Neither turned the football over, but ultimately the Chiefs, due to some good, better situations, play and obviously a miss toward the end of the game by Tyler Bass the Bills kicker were able to pull out and advance to their sixth consecutive AFC title game uh, which is incredible that's Mahomes that's the worst season for Mahomes and, and Andy Reid even if they lose on on Sunday so I'll start with you Tim uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs the Buffalo Bills did Buffalo miss their best opportunity at knocking off the Chiefs so that's I feel like a loaded question because you could go yes I think that's the most obvious answer but I'm gonna go no 
because Buffalo was missing all pro linebacker Matt Milano. Taylor Rapp was out due to his calf injury, and they were missing their second best receiver, Gabe Davis, who's just a big body and could have done so much against that Kansas City defense. But but he wasn't there. He was hurt. Um, you know, and then when you look at Kansas City, though, their whole offense is kind of a joke. You know, they the, especially when it comes to receivers. Again, I know Mahomes, Kelsey, but if you look at really the rest of them, the receivers, who who do they have? Marquez Valdez Scantling. At best, he's a third receiver, and he's probably arguably their best receiver. You know, that's that's kind of we like true wide receiver. Excuse me, I want to make sure I get that right. True wide receiver. Kelsey looks like he's fallen off because he's got drops galore ever since he, you know, met Taylor Swift for the very first time. And the one sneaky thing we all have to factor in here is the fact that Mike Florio had believes that the Chiefs are monitoring the fact that Andy Reid might retire. Now, whether they, they go out on top or not, Mike Florio has said the Chiefs are preparing for Andy Reid to retire. They're not, it's, it's not a done deal. He's obviously said, I'm not even thinking about it, obviously, but it's out there. It's legitimate news. It's not some rumor mill from a no name. It's Mike Florio. So with Andy Reid possibly leaving, what is Mahomes going to look like? What is this chief's offense going to look like? And if you want to talk about the free agency, that's a joke. You know, T Higgins is probably the best receiver. He's going to get uh, franchise tagged. Michael Pittman is number two, you know, Mike Evans. But, again, there's going to be a bidding war for all these guys. At the end of the day, you know, I think Buffalo still has a chance in the future seconds, Tim. with Mahomes at quarterback. Yeah, and that's – that's no, no, no question. And that, that's obviously uh, – listen, Andy Reid, we know, has, has been the, the key com- one of the key components, obviously, of this Chiefs, uh, this Chiefs run dynasty, whatever you want to call it. And, and listen, he, he's one of the great play callers in the game. We, we obviously have seen the Chiefs have kind of been able to flip a switch uh, in the playoffs, which we've seen many great teams do, kind of have subpar regular seasons by their standards. And all of a sudden, once, in their case, January rolls around, they look like, like a different football team, particularly on the opposite side of the ball. Tim, I'm going to give you a good take. I think the interesting the, – the point about the Andy Reid uh, aspect is very, very interesting regarding like, hey, you lose that guy maybe did they bring back the enemy maybe did they bring back a, another guy tied to the coaching tree of, of coach Reed potentially who knows but uh we know he's the he, he's the guy that sort of makes everything run as great as Mahomes is and he's an all-timer Kelsey uh that's the guy who, who helps put them in best in the best positions to to be successful so Tim I'm going to give you a good take to Mike Guido did the Buffalo Bills miss their biggest opportunity to knock off the Chiefs in the playoffs uh, no, I, I don't think so. And, and I'm pretty sure that you could have, you yourself could have expected that I was going to go there um, just for the fact that I love Josh Allen. But, you know, here's the thing. I, there are so many people that say right now that, well, if you can't, I think it was even Nick Wright that said, if you can't beat the Kansas City Chiefs now, when is anybody ever going to be able to beat them with the, the lackluster offense that they have? You got to keep in mind, this might be the worst Chiefs offense under Patrick Mahomes. Uh, this was also a worse Bills team that we saw from last year. So I think that both teams kind of took a step down from where they were last year. The Bills are incredibly banged up. They had lost guys like Tremaine Edmonds in free agency. Obviously, on the offensive, offensive side of the football for Buffalo, I mean, if you didn't see a difference between what Stephon Diggs was last year and what he is this year, I mean, you just you weren't paying attention. Gabe Davis was a non-factor in the offense a lot of weeks for Buffalo. Like, it just there was a clear digression in 
Buffalo's uh, in Buffalo's roster this year. So here's the thing. I don't think that you can ever rule out a player of Josh Allen's caliber in games like these, despite the track record. I understand that he hasn't beaten Mahomes in the playoffs yet. I understand all that. But also keep this factor in mind as well. The more time goes on, and this applies for both of them, but especially for Mahomes, they're already having trouble offensively. What happens when Mahomes is up for another contract? When he has to get paid again, that roster is going to keep debilitating even further. So, no, I don't think that this was there, that they missed their best chance. I think this was a decent chance to beat them. But Kansas City and Buffalo, I think, were very evenly matched here. So, no, I would not say that this is – uh, that they missed their chance and that it won't happen in the future. Yeah, it's fair. And, and one thing, too, the only thing I would push back, I, I do agree that the wide receiver production was not what it was uh, last year with, with the Buffalo Bills, but yeah. the run game was night and day. What James Cook did with that offensive line was able to do was, Certainly. and so you give a ton of credit to Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, you know, coming in in place of Ken Dorsey and doing what, what he did and be able to, to a certain degree, sort of minimize Josh Allen's mistakes uh, in, in this win streak leading up to the Kansas City game. Uh, Mike Guido, I'm going to give you a good take. I think the point about Kansas City, listen, the more you pay your quarterback, the more you're going to struggle to kind of bring in guys. We saw the Rams. I don't think it'll ever get this bad with Kansas City, but last year the Rams were an absolute disaster because they didn't have a lot of picks. They had to pay a lot of guys, Stafford, etc. So yeah. you know you, you'll go through through lump years. But uh, was the, this is certainly again the low point of the Chiefs era under Patrick Mahomes from an offensive standpoint. So it's like if you can't get them, then it is going to be tough. And, and I would also counter that as expensive as Josh gets, it's going to be hard for the Bills to bring in talent. They're going to have to sure. to hit on some draft picks, which the Chiefs, to their credit, looks like they've done with Rasheed Rice. We'll see if they continue moving forward. AJ, finally with you, did the Bills miss their best opportunity? to knock off the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs? Well, I am cheating a little. I have the uh, 2024 NFL script, just a rough draft. So, uh, <laughs> but I won't spoil it for you guys. No, I mean, uh, I think I misunderstood the question, um, but I'll, I'll give you two answers. The first one I thought was, was it their best chance to date? And I've said, yes, I think like this was their their best chance, even with all the points that, that were made here. Um, strictly do because of how I think the the Chiefs offense has been like its least powerful over the last, say, four or five years. But to answer your question, I am in line with everyone else. Um, I do think that I, I don't think that this is going to be the best chance that this iteration of the Bills has to beat this iteration that the Chiefs have. Um, they're both going to be running into an offseason with with high con uh, quarterback contracts. I think the um, Chiefs have a little bit of a better a cap situation. Um, however, you know, they'll do their magic in the offseason. I don't really expect that to be an issue. What I like about uh, um, the Bills moving forward and uh, is the offense that they have, that young offense, some nice um, pieces in running back Cook. Uh, what's the wide receiver's name? Khalil Shakir or Khalil Shakir, yep. whatever. Uh, yep. And then two guys who I really was hoping the Cowboys were going to take in the draft is, is Dalton Kincaid, tight end, and uh, the um, offensive guard, um, Torrance. So I think they have some good pieces there. They they have something like 21 or so uh, free agents exiting. I don't know. If, I don't think believe that any of them are big major pieces. It looks like a lot on defense. So, uh, But the major pieces on that offense – are are going to be there in digs and uh and uh, uh allen so i mean contracts they'll figure that out and i think it is good it is only going to get tougher for the chiefs to let their lux has to run out at some point right i mean <laughs> sure 
Yeah, no, no question about that. And and that's that's a great point is that Buffalo was able to, again, hit on some of these draft picks. They're not paying James Cook a lot of money. Kincaid uh, had a solid, solid rookie. He really started to come on at the end of the year and really kind of took that tight end job, tight end number one job uh, away from Dawson Knox. And I, I'm completely with you. I loved his talent out of Utah. I loved his upside. I think he's going to be a very, very good player on the league. And, and Khalil Shakir, he really burned my Steelers a couple weeks ago in that playoff game. And he showed you know a tremendous ability with Gabe Davis out of the lineup toward the end of this year. And listen, he was from a production standpoint, he was better than Stephon Diggs. I mean, then that's, that, that's, going to be something the Bills got to look into and whether or not they're going to keep him, move him. Uh, only time will tell in that regard. So, uh, AJ, I'm going to give you as well a good take, 100 points here. Tie everybody up at 100 points apiece uh, as we move into uh, the second round. Obviously, everybody, feel free to chime in the comment section if you uh, disagree, agree, or you just want to chime into the conversation, feel free in the comment section on YouTube. Let's move into, I apologize to the audience. I did not show our first round rules, and that is on me, the host slash judge slash moderator. I should get decked 100 points for whenever I'm a guest sometime in the future. Uh, so I'm already at minus 100. I'm playing behind the eight ball. Uh, but basically, it's 200 for it. Well, can we just show it? Uh, 200 points for a great take, 100 for a good take, 50 for a bad, uh, okay take, nothing for a bad take. So it gets doubled in the second round. Okay, it goes to 400 uh, for a great take, uh, 200 for a good take, 100 for an okay take. And again, you come home empty handed with zero points if you have a bad take. And I don't think we have had a, a bad take so far on the eight o'clock spot. So certainly we hope to to not uh, make uh, dubious history today. Let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers who knocked off the Green Bay Packers and what was closer than many expected. The Niners were almost double-digit favorites, about nine, nine and a half. And uh, Green Bay, Jordan Love was able to jump out to a lead early, but due to a missed field goal by Anders Carlson and due to a game-winning drive led by Brock Purdy, the Niners were able to pull out 24-21. to 21. The Niners' defense also was able to get a couple of takeaways by Dre Greenlaw. Uh, Purdy struggled throughout the vast majority of the day. His pass rating was kind of about around the, the mid to, to low 80s, and then once he got to the game-winning drive, it was almost 100. So Purdy certainly stepped his game up on that last drive. So I will ask you first, Mike Guido, Despite the three quarters of bad play, were you impressed with Brock Purdy's, I guess, performance in totality because of the game-winning drive? No, I, I don't think I was impressed with it in totality. I don't think that you can say that because really, I mean, despite the fact of how well Green Bay was playing going into that game, they what were they, 7-2 and two in their last nine? They had just dismantled the Cowboys at home. Like, despite the fact of how well they were playing, that doesn't change the fact that Green Bay's defense was pretty bad all year. You know what I mean? Like, there really isn't very much of an excuse to play poorly against that defense. I said the same thing the week before that about Dak Prescott. So there really wasn't an excuse for that. So in totality, no. However, here's the thing that you have to really keep in mind about this. This is the kind of mental fortitude that people talk about when it comes to Brock Purdy, right? He's not over the moon talented. He doesn't have crazy arm strength. He doesn't have, he's not crazy accurate. He's not a super mobile guy. He is a very game manager looking quarterback on a week to week basis. He just is. And just like anybody else, he has his super high weeks and he has his super low weeks. This is kind of who he is. I think Brock Purdy is just kind of one of these average guys that's elevated by the players around him. But the fact that he can still keep his composure and remain in the game, not fall back, not, you know, he's got a strong chin, stay in the game in the fourth quarter when you're down. That's something that I think San Francisco can value in Brock Purdy, despite the, uh, the lack of overwhelming talent. So in totality, no, I'm not impressed. But as far as the grand scheme of things is concerned, at the end of the day, if you're winning the football game, if he comes through in the moments that matter, that's the part I think that's important for San Francisco. 
Yeah, and that's something that I've been a Brock Purdy believer for a while now, even the, the last season when he came in for, for Jimmy Garoppolo and, and led them to that win streak going into the, the NFC title game is that when things are going well, he can we see his numbers. He led the league in pass rating. He's in the, in the MVP discussion going into Christmas Day when they played the Ravens and got throttled. But like, can he play from behind? We saw the loss to Cleveland. We saw it to Minnesota. We saw it to Cincinnati. That when adverse circumstances, when somebody goes down, Debo Samuel went down in this game uh, for the 49ers, can he be able to, to mentally recover? And that's, I think, that I think you're spot on, Mike. And part of the reason I'm going to give you a great take here with the 500 points is the fact that, uh, listen, it was, it was not going terribly well for him. It, it was his worst game the Ravens game aside in probably two or three months and to be able to keep his composure and lead them to that game when he drive was, was highly impressive, even without Debo Samuel in not the best conditions weather-wise, but again, a guy of Purdy's stature, that's going to be uh, something that comes into the picture. To you, AJ, were you impressed with Brock Purdy's performance despite the three quarters of kind of mid-play and then that last drive uh, to win the game? Were you impressed with Brock Purdy, AJ? Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm always impressed with, or I'm, I've been impressed with Brock Purdy since, what with what he's done with his career here in the 49ers being missed the Mr. Irrelevant prick uh, pick, not prick. That's horribly mean of me to say, um, yeah, you know, he, I, I, I agree. He, he, he handles pressure. So like, so well, um, I think the thing that impressed me is that it was more CMC. He put the ball in CMC's hands on that 12 play drive. Um, and he didn't lose the game for them. Is that something to be impressed about? I mean, because of his selection in the draft, it kind of like if he was undrafted, it might have been I might have been least uh, less impressed. But there's just that Mister Irrelevant moniker hanging over him, so I think a little bit of that is just uh, the marketing. Um, but overall, I mean, I, I can't say that I was in, impressed with him in that game. I think um, he did enough not to lose it, and. Should I be impressed by CMC? No, but that's who I think stole the show for me. Uh, he's just doing what he always does, but still, he finds a way to to impress me. So, kind of a a, a change to a, the answer there um, of who um, I'm impressed about. But that that's that's what stood out to me on that drive. Well, we 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 know that there's obviously some keys to that Niners offense, Debo Samuel, Trent Williams, but see, uh, Christian McCaffrey. This Niners offense was always really good, really talented, and obviously ran the very, football very well with Kyle Shanahan calling the plays that West Coast offense. But she had a guy, Christian McCall uh, McCaffrey's Hall of Fame level talent. It just takes the offense to a different level, and obviously makes Brock Purdy's job uh, a lot easier. And some of those those plays to get them down to that scoring drive. Obviously, McCaffrey win the game winner in, but a couple dump offs to McCaffrey, a couple runs in these second and third and short situations, uh, obviously made an impact. And like you said, that's you know that's. Kind kind of what Mike was alluding to game manager. Like the one thing you asked him to do is to not lose the game with that kind of roster, that kind of talent, just don't screw things up. Uh, I do think they trust him. If you watch the film, if you look at some of the advanced analytics, they do trust him more in terms of throwing outside the numbers than they trust a Garoppolo. Uh, but nonetheless, it's still sort of that same uh, sort of moniker. But AJ, I'm going to give you a good take for the segment. I think you bring great points uh, regarding McCaffrey and regarding Purdy's importance in the offense. There's no question about that. Finally to you, Tim, despite the three quarters of kind of shaky play, with that last drive in the fourth quarter to win it for the Niners, were you impressed by Brock, by Brock Purdy? I will say it showed me a lot about who Brock Purdy is. And I mean that from probably the best way possible. I'm not saying that he's, you know, this you know stellar quarterback or he's this bum quarterback. I think really, you know, you have to take into account, obviously, the rain was pouring in San Francisco. What do you expect? Um, and you know, after that first drive, he had the glove on, he took it off. He's 
trying to figure out the ball. Debo Samuel gets hurt. The one thing I, you know, the one area that really impressed me the most uh, was the fact that, you know, his big, his game is his biggest asset, which is keep it simple and don't turn the ball over. Don't give your opponent extra possessions. And he didn't do that. Even in a slick field with a slick ball, he still found a way to get the ball to where it needed to go. One of the biggest uh, plays, you know, from that final drive was that third and five, Brandon Ayuk over the middle. That was a dime. The, uh, I forget who the Green Bay defender was that was on Ayuk, but he was right on his back. Uh, Purdy put that ball exactly where it needed to be. And because of that, that's what continued the drive and what was able to uh, lead San Francisco to that victory. Now, and so that's why, you know what? Yes, because I think we realize who Brock Purdy is in this game, like right here. That's what, that's why I'm impressed because now we know definitively who he is. He can make those throws even in sloppy conditions and he will not. Now, of course he will eventually turn the ball, but I'm saying as a whole, he keeps it simple and he doesn't give the uh, the opponent any extra possessions. You know, as as good as AJ's take was, as great as Mike's was, I, I'm going to give uh, Tim the, the greatest of all. I can't give you extra points for that, but that was I, – I never thought about it from that perspective of we saw the best and the worst of Brock Purdy, and that sort of encapsulated who he is. He does really struggle to play from behind, but in this game – and this, by the way, this was something we hadn't seen from him as I detailed with the Browns, Vikings, and, and, and Bengals game when they had that three-game losing streak in October is the ability to kind of not necessarily put the team in your back, but to maintain your composure uh, and to, to still play within the office, still trust the office and trust what, you, what, what you're doing. And like you said, that really was the play of the game was the throw to IU because if it's incomplete, it's fourth down, you know, three minutes left. They don't convert there. Green Bay probably bleeds some clock with Aaron Jones and, and maybe comes out with the W there, but uh, a great take by by Tim. Looks like we got some comments uh, up in here. Uh, we got some, looks like we got some camp fan comments. So uh, AJ is is appreciating uh, EJ uh, for the support and Adam Bessie from the Cowboys Camp Fan Podcast and a multi time contestant, former champion of the eight o'clock spot. He says, "Crack him if you got him. Go AJ, camp fan, represent, baby." Absolutely. Listen, I know y'all have gone through a lot uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks with the playoff loss, but shout out to y'all for continuing to put out some fantastic content. So uh, uh, listen, y- y- y'all do a fantastic job for the network and we are very very lucky to have you as well as everybody else to the third and final round involving the three original contestants obviously we'll have the top two point getters at the end a great take gives you 800 points a good take gives you 400 an okay take gives you 200 points and a bad take again you come home empty-handed with zero points and how about those detroit lions getting to their first nfc title game since 1991 i believe only their second in the super bowl era uh in this run in detroit in the super bowl era since the merger in 1970 i mean listen i you know, I picked them to get to the NFC title game before the season, not to brag or anything. So I'm feeling pretty good about Detroit. But uh, listen, they, they were able to make some moves over the last few years through the trade market, free agency. They aced their draft picks over the last three years. Brad Holmes, or GM, uh, deserves a ton of credit. But they've got a tall task. We just talked about San Francisco, that roster, all those all-star type of players that they've got over there. So I'll start with you, AJ. Can the Lions go on the road to San Francisco and get the W in the NFC title game to get to, uh, sorry, get, sorry, play the Niners in the NFC title game, win, and get to the Super Bowl. Are the Lions capable of doing such a thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I've loved that offense all season, um, partially because I ended up picking up ha- uh, all of those key positions in a fantasy football team. 
so, you know, they're very, very uh, um, necessary for me to get to uh, third place um, and, and, you know, lose out before the, the championship. But that being said, um, I think they got a lot of really exciting pieces on that offense, of course, where they lack comparatively and not only on the team, but with all the other remaining teams is they probably have the worst defense of the, of the group. If you're going to match them all up. Um, that's a problem traditionally in, in the NFL, right? You need a strong defense and also the ability to, to score enough points. Um, if you're, you know, if you do have a kind of lacking offense, that being said, I think the Lions are going to run into a 49ers team that is going to want to bounce back win. It's going to be a, a, a tough fight. Um, and so I expect the 49ers to come out and play with that offense that, uh, that, they're, that we've seen throughout the season. I know that the Lions can keep up with them, but uh, like, you know, just in a vacuum. But I just don't think at home and with the 49ers coming off of just a very close victory, uh, that they're going to want to, um, or that, that they're going to have enough to pull it off. You know, if you're going to make a bet, I say bet on the lions, but I think, uh, I think the 49ers are going to, are going to win. Well, well, now that you venture into the, the betting realm, I, I checked the other day and I saw a <laughs> San Francisco favorite minus seven and a half. And I'm looking right now, it's, it, it's gone, it's come down to seven. So I think people are s- sort of st- talking like, Hey, you know, roster wise, I mean, the Niners are probably better, but it's not by like just this massive gap uh, as we've seen with them playing a, a lot of teams they play this year. So the Lions are the side, whether you take them to win or not, the Lions are the side this week in Vegas, just a little betting advice from your man who doesn't bet Bryson Carver, but uh, AJ, I'm going to give you a good take here, get you to 700 points at the end. Listen, you, you make it, that's the, the defense. Defense is going to be kind of their bugaboo if they lose. I think we would all agree that's probably the reason they do lose this. Because, listen, their offense can score on, on virtually anybody. Uh, we saw Tampa Bay's defense that has had a lot of success, and they put 31 points up seemingly with ease uh, against that Buccaneers defense with a lot of great players uh, over there, particularly uh, Levante David. So good take by uh, by AJ. To you, Tim, can the Detroit Lions go to San Francisco and win the NFC title game? Now, I'm going to say this. First of all, I had Sam LaPorta, Monroe, St. Brown on my fantasy team, and I won. So there's that. Thank you, guys. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I do want to say, ultimately, as much as I'm rooting for the Lions and love the story with Detroit and all that, I got to go no. I got to go with the fact that the 49ers are just too talented on defense, on offense. And the Lions, as talented as they are, and has, as much as they've hit on those draft picks, like Bryson, you alluded to, with Brian Branch, Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs, um, you know, the, the, the Lions defense ha- has given up the most yards per game this postseason amongst all remaining teams. And when you add all postseason teams, they're third to last. So uh, they've allowed 416 uh, and a half yards per game, again, you know, which, like I said, ranks ahead of Philly and Green Bay. Uh, they've allowed the most pass yards of any team. It's supposed to be a beautiful day in San Francisco. So with that sloppy weather that Brock Party couldn't perform in, now he's going to have beautiful weather. Of course, Debo Samuel, if he's able to play, that just adds another dynamic to that offense. But if he's not, I still trust Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle to get the job done. You know, uh, it is a high-octane offense that the Niners have. And, you know, I the one other thing I want to bring up is, again, as much as I'm rooting for them and want them to win, the Lions organization has like a curse 
over them ever since the NFL championship days where, what was it? They won four NFL championships um, since the Super Bowl era. They've only been to the NFC championship game once. And that was with Barry Sanders. And that team was eh, average and ran into a brick wall. That was the Washington Redskins at the time. And then you had Matt Stafford, Calvin Johnson, pissed away their careers. You pissed away the rest of Barry Sanders' career, who is, in my opinion, the greatest running back of all time. So, yeah, I think there's an organizational curse. As much as I'm rooting for them, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, you you bring it. I, I by the way, I do agree. I think Barry Sanders is the greatest running back ever. He was unreal. But uh, it seemed like I remember AJ. Correct me if I'm wrong. It seemed like Adam or somebody uh pointed out the curse uh the curse of Bobby Lane is actually what it is he I, as far as I know the story goes he was traded or went to the Pittsburgh Steelers and he proclaimed that this organization would never win again without me and you know that was the 50s and here we are sitting in 2024 seeing if the Lions can can break this the, this curse but uh Tim I'm gonna give you a good take here uh get you to 900 points I think you bring up some really good points about like listen the 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 defense you got like Kansas City great defense Baltimore San Francisco uh it just doesn't seem like one, especially on the road. Like you said, better, much better conditions than what we saw on Saturday night in, in the Bay Area. So that doesn't look like that's going to be something that plagues particularly Brock, Brock Purdy. Uh, the Debo Samuel injury is massive. If he's not able, able to go, obviously that helps the, the Lions' chances. But if he's ready to go and the Niners are at full strength, that's going to be really tough. So, Tim, I'm going to give you a good take. Finally to you, Mike Guido. Can the Detroit Lions go to San Francisco and get a W over the mighty 49ers? They absolutely can. But I'm listen, I, I'm a little bit more cut and dry on this. I really think that it is completely contingent on whether or not Debo Samuel plays or not. Like that is, that is the deciding factor for me. If Debo Samuel plays San Francisco will win. If Debo Samuel doesn't play Detroit wins. That's the way that I look wow. at this game because listen, and we saw it during the regular season, San Francisco was a different football team when Debo Samuel didn't play. They were almost non-competitive on the offensive side of the football. I, there's just something about what Debo Samuel brings to that offense where whether it's deception or or just anything, multiple ways that you can use them. We all know who Debo Samuel is. Something lacked in that offense. Here's the thing of why I think Detroit matches up pretty well. As far as the rosters are concerned, I think that Detroit and San Francisco are relatively close. I think San Francisco's roster is better, but Detroit is in a place right now where, you know, they're matching up with San Francisco where their their weaknesses are virtually the same, right? Francisco's weakness, you can kind of say, well, and especially with the injury to to Tano Ufunga, I mean, your their secondary is, you know, there's a little bit to be desired there. It's the same thing with uh with Detroit. Despite the fact of Brian Branch's great play. Their corners struggle. Cam Sutton, Kendall Vildor both struggle mightily in a lot of games. However, here's the part that I love. Detroit all season long, this was the second best rushing defense in the NFL. They only gave up like 88 yards a game on the ground uh, through the entire season. So if there's a team that can limit Christian McCaffrey on the ground, the Detroit Lions are one of those teams. So I think that there definitely is a matchup there. But like I said, Bryson, this is this is very cut and dry for me. If Debo Samuel plays. 10 seconds, Mike. San Francisco will win. If he doesn't play, I think Detroit goes to the Super Bowl. 
That and he's a listen. You said he's a, a, a key member, and we saw what what the Niners' offense like. And listen, yeah. he went out early in the game, so we saw what was about as close to a full game sample size uh, as what you could. And we saw with some of those games he missed again that three game losing streak uh, for San Francisco. So, uh, Mike Guido, I'm going to give you a good take here to tie you with Tim Barnard. So you both are headed to the final round. AJ, up. I'm sorry, my man, you were not able to make it to the final round uh, this go around. It, it just it didn't come around for you, my man. The, the Cam fan, uh, Anthony, AJ, or, or I'm sorry, Anthony and Adam are still going to have that uh, that that over you right now. But uh, listen, a great opportunity to come back next time. And we'll see you at the end of the show, my man. All right. Now, what's what's understood doesn't need to be said. Looks like we got some uh, comments here. Uh, Adam Bessie says uh, Purdy still had issues with pressure, and we saw some bad bad throws. And that's that's something else too. He's again he's more mobile uh, than Jimmy Garoppolo, but that's something that he has struggled with. Uh, our guy Barry Grant Jr. Uh, still a distant second place behind Mike Guido. Uh, the Lions' physicality will give the 49ers fits. That's the thing they can play. Like you said, their ability to stop the run. Uh, that's something yeah. that could uh, plague them. Uh, Adam Adam is is not happy. He says boo BS. Rig, so he's taking up for his guy AJ. Listen, it, it's he's, he's he's close. There's it's it's just the the margins are are so thin, and uh, he just wasn't able to come through. But all his family up there in Canada. It's all about family up there. It's all about family. It's all about the camp and guys. Obviously, check that out on YouTube. Canadian <laughs> guys they, stick together. That's uh, absolutely for sure. All right, let's go to our final round rules, and it's listen, folks. It's win or go home. Okay, this is just it's like the playoffs. It's you win, you advance. You, you you lose, and you're done. Or this is like our Super Bowl because if you win, you're the champion. If you lose, you are the runner up. The winner gets ten thousand points. It's the great equalizer in this eight o'clock spot tournament. The loser. Comes home empty-handed with zero points. So the first game that was played over the weekend was our only blowout, which is the Baltimore Ravens knocking out the Houston Texans in blowout fashion, doing so by a final score of 34-10. to 10. Props to Houston, uh, vastly exceeded expectations. They got a bright future future with C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans, but ultimately, Baltimore is the better team. They've been the best team in the league from start to finish. Lamar Jackson is almost assured to win MVP. And by the way, all he did was throw for 152 touchdowns and ran for 102 more touchdowns. So he was, and in the second half, he was nothing short of of marvelous about as close to perfect as you can be so i'll start with you tim if lamar jackson leads the ravens to a w over the mighty kansas city chiefs who've had this great run so far given previous play but playoff struggles for lamar do you think the doubters and the haters the naysayers whatever word you want to use do you think they're silenced now if lamar can get to the ravens to the super bowl on sunday as much as i would love to say yes to this i have to say no and part of the reason why i'm saying that is because people are just going to talk about how the defense carried Lamar, it, you know, because let's let's go back in time to 2013 and the Ravens winning, you know, against uh, the 49ers, right? Everyone was – granted, that defense was great and definitely helped carry them, but it was playoff Joe Flacco, you know, that really um, carried that team. And, and people kept – you know, again, playoff Joe, that was the nickname – so with this team, though, it's been all the defense. It's, you know, the fact that, excuse me, my dog's trying to bite my ankle off. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the defense during the regular season ranked fourth in yards allowed and was first in opponent scoring, sacks, and turnover, turnovers, two of the biggest uh, factors, your sacks and turnovers, to help you win games. And the Ravens' pass game ranked 21st uh, during the regular season. And so because of that, as much as I want, you know, Lamar, because I, I like Lamar, I think he's a great player. But if we're going to, you know, continue with the Lamar hate, he's not a great quarterback. He's a great runner, but he's not a great quarterback. And that's that's really where it stems from. And 
you know, if he can up those numbers, he doesn't have to be, you know, um, top five, but if he can get top 10, you know, in court in uh, passing yards and all that, then yeah, I'm right here willing to, you know, put that to bed. But the fact that they're 21st and in passing yards, it, I still think people are going to harp on defense and the fact that Lamar cannot become a true um, pocket passer. That's really where I think that hate comes from, no matter if they win this game or not. Yeah, and that's uh, I, I don't know if I totally just uh, agree about he's not a great quarterback. Pro Football Focus had him as the best quarterback thrown outside the pocket, and he has improved inside the pocket. But those numbers are are, are totally fair, and and, and obviously the, the Ravens are, are, are a team that's been since Lamar's been there, kind of predicated uh, on the run game. That defense has been nothing short of fantastic. So to you now, Mike, I, I go, go ahead. What were you gonna say, Tim? No, I was just gonna say like I, I don't think he's an awful quarterback. I'm just saying no, based sure. on that numbers that yeah, it's he's not like a traditional pocket passer. That's what, kind of what I was going for. Sure. No, that's totally fair, and that's that's not he he's not the pocket passer. The guys like like Burrow or obviously Jared Goff when he has a clean pocket might be the best pocket passer on the NFL along with Joe Burrow. I'll go to you, Mike Guido. I know you you are a big time Lamar guy. You you, you and I kind of been on this Lamar thing for a while. Would though Lamar quiet the naysayers, the doubters, the haters, whatever word you want to use? Would he quiet them with the win on Sunday to get them to the Super Bowl? I, I mean, that's kind of a tough question, only because I think it depends on how he plays in the game. Right. Like if if Lamar Jackson throws three interceptions and his passer rating is in the 70s, then I would say probably not. But at the same time, he also is beating the mighty Patrick Mahomes led Chiefs. So maybe yes. But here's really how I look at this. If it were up to me and my opinion ruled all in the world, I would say absolutely yes, without a doubt. And uh, in fact, I honestly would think that potentially it should be put to bed now because here's the thing. Here's the fact of the matter. I disagree with Tim, and, and I, I understand where Tim is coming from, but this was as good of a season that Lamar Jackson has had from the pocket in his entire career. I think this is who he is. I mean, he's completing 67% of his throws. He threw for like 3,700 yards. This is among the best touchdown to interception ratios that he's had in his entire career. This was actually, in my mind, one of the least impressive running years that he's had only five touchdowns on the ground this year for 800 or so yards. And he really made this offense into a really balanced attack. Now, listen, they run the football better than they throw. They're, they're the best running football team in the league. They're like 21st in passing yards. But that's just because of the way they're built. The thing with Lamar Jackson that he needed to work on for the last five or six years since he got drafted was his efficiency. He needed to become more efficient from the pocket. He needed to turn the ball over less and that was really it so I do think it depends on how he plays in the game but the reality is is that if if you're not buying into the fact that Lamar Jackson is great now then I really just don't know if you're paying attention the guy is just incredible at football he knows how to build a sustainable offense maintain a sustainable offense and if he can continue to throw the ball the way that he's throwing the football right now then he's going to become one of the more efficient quarterbacks in the league as well. So I would say, yes, the naysayers can go F themselves to this point. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's something with with Lamar Jackson that is, as, as always, we always know he's, he was a great runner, and his ability to throw from the pocket has, has been something that's come into question. Over the first couple of years of his career, he's improved drastically. And listen, not like anybody needs to be make having to make a case for Lamar as the MVP. It looks all but inevitable he's going to win no. the award. I think the real question is, is he going to do it unanimously again? Uh, but the question for Lamar Jackson is, is you know, 
What did the Ravens look like without him? Well, you know, last year we saw, and even the year before that, we saw the Ravens offense with a capable backup and Tyler Huntley absolutely crumble into a, a million pieces. Meanwhile, well, he's in the best team, in the AFC, and are favored to beat the defending champs on Sunday. So uh, we'll see what happens. Both of you made fantastic cases. Thank you both did a great job. But there can be only one winner, and his name is... Mike Guido. Mike Guido is once again the champion of the 8 o'clock spot live here on the Grid Network. Michael, what's up? I just want to apologize to Tim. I really do. I see I see the look on Tim's face. He's I feel so bad too, Mike. Well, <laughs> my dog was eating my friggin' ankle during my, <laughs> during my biggest take of the night. The biggest take of the night. My dog is eating my ankle. I'm sorry. Dog, you got to overcome injuries. <laughs> the, the dog, he, Tim was getting rushed by the passer, and he crumbled. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. But uh, the dog needs to know what time it is. Uh, listen, I'm very happy about this. I Listen, I love Tim. I, I, he, I think he's a phenomenal addition to the grid. I think the Boston Sports Summit is going to be a growing phenomenon in that space. Uh, but Again, Tim, I, I think maybe, I mean, Devin Nettles hasn't really been on the show in a while, Bryson, but Tim say, might have to become Mr. Runner-Up at this point. It's, it's, it's five straight appearances. Ever since I've been on the show, I've made the championship every time, four straight. I'm, I'm the Bills. I'm he's the a, Buffalo listen, Bills. He's, say you pull he's, always the, he's always the bridesmaid and never the bride. It's, <laughs> it's, it's upsetting. It really is. It hurt me to do that to you, Tim, but I just thought Mike made this the slightly better case. And what I always do at the end is I bring uh, the, the the person who did not make the final round back in so we can bring AJ back in the mix here. Uh, AJ, did I make the correct decision in, in picking Mike Guido over over Tim? Oh, I mean, I'm not. I'm going to just plead the fifth here, I think. And uh, I didn't ask you to plead the fifth. I want your opinion, AJ. No. Uh, you know what? The hardest thing for me is, is, is both of these – both of these fine looking gentlemen speak very well. Um, and they probably uh, have watched a lot more uh, other teams than me. I'm kind of locked in on the Cowboys when, when they play and I don't watch a, a lot else. So no excuses on my end. I was very impressed by both contestants. And uh, you know, for me, um, I'm going to keep kicking the tires. I'll keep coming back. I'll be learning uh, what works and what doesn't. And you know, one day might just be a solo show, but I will take home that victory. <laughs> hey, you know what you are you're the tortoise you know the tortoise in the hair like the the, the tortoise just keeps trudging and trudging and gets slowly climbs up the list climbs up the list slow, and all of a sudden you break through wins the race. slow and steady wins the race and eventually aj <laughs> i promise you buddy you are going to break through your day is coming in a very good way that is all the it time is. we have for tonight's episode what's that what's that aj I was going to say it is, but I don't want you to give it to me. I want to earn it, okay? Oh, you are going to earn it. That's a everything is nothing is given. Everything is is earned here on the eight o'clock spot, and that is all we have the time we have for day for tonight's show. Be sure to check out next week of the uh, next week's episode of the eight o'clock spot on Tuesday night live on the Grid Network at eight p.m. Eastern, five p.m. Pacific time, right here on the Grid's Twitter and YouTube channels. Uh, shout out to Tim. Shout out to AJ. Both put up great cases, and shout out to the Defang Champion. And we know Barry is, and everybody's going to hear all about it. Uh, Mike. Guido to just continue to extend his lead, pulling up a Patrick Mahomes, really. Like everybody else is kind of the Josh Allen and, yeah. and Mike Guido's the Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's you know, what you could say, Bryson. I might uh, be the Patrick Mahomes of the eight o'clock spot. I'm like Tom Brady. <laughs> just, I mean, man. I, well, the, the run has to be individually. The run has to end individually, though, Guido. It's, it's got to individually. But listen, <laughs> today it continues. Hope everybody has a great week. We'll see y'all next Tuesday. Stay, stay safe out there. God bless y'all. Peace out. Peace.